Heavenly Father, use the words that I speak for your glory. Amen. I know why the caged bird sings. When his wind is when his wing is bruised and his bosom sore, when he beats his bars and would be free. It is not a carol of joy or glee, but a prayer that he sends from his heart's deep core, but a plea that upward to heaven flings. I know why the caged bird sings. Maya Angelou, 1969. Angelou imagines what deep hope, what longing her precious caged bird has, even though he finds himself trapped. But oh yes, that's why the bird sings even more to give a voice to a reality that a life of freedom must always be hoped for. A life soaring in the heavens, even for a moment, must be imagined. Oh yes, that's why the caged bird sings. And many in the LGBT community sing because of recent court rulings allowing marriage equality in Arizona. And our bishop, Kirk Smith, now proclaiming marriage equality in the church. Songs for justice. Songs for that glimpse of real freedom that was so long hoped for. Yes. Hope for joy on heaven, in heaven and joy on earth. This hope allows all people today the ability to sing. After all, a life of being trapped is no fun at all. Jesus is there today. He's been hanging out on the temple grounds. We've heard stories the past three weeks railing against religious leaders who limit the life of God among the people, keeping the people in a virtual spiritual cage. They're setting a trap. They're setting a trap for him. They want to treat him like a caged bird, trapped in a state of being that is limited, without any possibility of growth, or self-determination, or imagination. And so as these leaders point out, is it in accordance with Jewish law that the taxes can be paid to the Roman Empire? Yes or no? Should be simple, right? Just tell us, Jesus, this isn't hard. Just answer it, yes or no. We know what Jesus says. He's not falling for the trap. He's rising above them, silencing them. The reading tells us they go away. He knows the spirit behind the law in such a profound way that he claims in Matthew's gospel, in fact, a few chapters earlier, that he fulfills it to set us in this And in so many situations, to set us free. 
to release us from our traps. And I'm sure many of us can fall into traps. What are your traps? Security, power, money, self-affirmation, maybe government influence? Could be anything, really. Because the nature of traps is we don't realize that we're trapped most of the time. I don't think we walk into any trap on purpose, but we've all found ourselves in situations that trap us. But Jesus' message to us is that we don't exist to fall into traps. We aren't called to stumble around and constantly be forced to throw up walls around ourselves, to compartmentalize our emotions, to literally trap ourselves in our own sense of isolating boundaries. No, that's not what love for God or love for ourselves or love for our neighbor, that's not what that's about. So we're asked to examine the traps in our lives. What are the things that keep us away from God? And what are we called to do? What practices might we take on to live a more trap-free, full-life experience with Jesus? Well, three that... I want us to explore for us today is worship, generosity, and service. Worship, generosity, service. First one is the thing we're doing right now, worship. Gathering in the name of Jesus each week. Sharing in the Holy Eucharist. Literally immersing ourselves in a well of love that some say in the Orthodox tradition Some say that we're literally entering a small part of heaven whenever we worship. A small part of heaven. We're having a part of the heart of God revealed to us in a physical, mental, and spiritual way every Sunday that changes us in some way for the better. We worship and in turn our love for God and for our neighbor Rose. The next one I want to cover is service. Reading the Gospels reminds us over and over about the importance of being a servant for God, the importance of working our minds and our hearts and our bodies into seeing God at work in the world around us, and then deciding to partner with God in God's mission throughout all of society and all of God's creation. When we serve others, we learn more about the kingdom of God. A bit more about that spectrum of God's actions is revealed, and we might just learn a little bit more about ourselves, too. All of our senses are engaged when we serve others in some way and through our conscious decisions of being of service to others, we become literally the hands and the heart and the feet of Jesus in the world. 
But the one practice that Jesus seems to talk about more than any other in the Gospels is generosity, of being generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. In fact, Jesus talks about more about the kingdom of God and about money than he talks about anything else in the Gospels. Why? Maybe because money could be a trap. Notice how the Pharisees tried to trap Jesus about money. The self-righteous Pharisees have got their religious rules, and you bet they've got money, but they lack love. There's something missing. There's got to be, there's a tie-in here. Being generous with money makes it easier for us to love. We seem to discover a new sense of abundance and joy that we might not realize. Case in point for me. About eight years ago, I went to Southeast Asia, to Myanmar, country formerly known as Burma. Burma is one of the poorest countries in the world. But I felt called to go on this mission trip. It was a risk. It would cost me time, about a month. Money, yeah, quite a bit of it. Possibly safety. I was worried that I was walking into a trap. But what I realized instead was the possibility of living in an entirely new way. A week after getting there, I was with my group of eight at a private home in Rangoon for dinner. We were having Chinese food. At the end of the meal, one of the local priests who we had befriended presented each one of us with an apple. We smiled and said, thank you, very polite. But as our conversation continued, we noticed our Burmese friends fawning over the fact that we received apples. Very special, very special, they all told us. And, and we were polite in how we responded. Oh, thank you. But we weren't connecting the dots very well. When we got back to our guest house that night, our professor asked us, do you really know what happened tonight? To which we said no. And she began to explain how in Burma, priests get paid somewhere about $10 a month. That's it. And this priest bought us each an apple, imported fruit, special exotic. In Myanmar, apples cost one dollar each. This priest had literally spent 80% of his monthly income on us to be generous, to show us how God loved him abundantly. 80% of his monthly income for apples for us. The more I thought about this, I realized what an act of generosity this was. Literally spending almost all that he made for the month on strangers out of his love for God and love for Jesus. This was done out of love, 
out of faithfulness that Jesus was calling him to be generous and to discovering something new about life, about his life with God. Out of that deep assurance that through generosity, he would most certainly not be falling into a trap, but he instead would discover joy. Joy of recognizing that everything comes from God and everything's going back to God. And also very important, joy that Jesus frees us from the roadblocks, from the traps, from the places of fear that we just can't do this or whatever. And it and calls us, this freedom to call us to be generous, to give, even to a place where the giving seems extravagant because that's what God does. God doesn't limit generosity towards us and we are called not to to limit our generosity back to God because through engaging with worship and service and generosity, we allow God to truly set us free to find that real joy that is at the heart of living at the heart of what God intends for us to recognize as the thrill of being alive. Stewardship season is beginning, my friends. Pledge cards are going to be mailed out, God willing, this week. I pledge to you that I will lead the way and I will lead by example. Since I arrived at this place, I have pledged 10% of my gross income, not the net, the gross income, back to the church. And I do it every month with great joy. Joy for you. Joy for living and working and breathing and being part of this community, Trinity Cathedral, in the household of God. I gladly give my heart to you, to Christ, and I gladly give a tithe of my income back to this community. So as we begin this stewardship journey together, Jesus journeys alongside us. He's not leading us into a trap. He's setting us free So that even when we feel like life is closing in on us or that things in our world are confining us and stifling our life, we still, like the caged bird, sing in sure and certain hope of a God who affirms us and aligns the longings of our heart's deep core and graciously reveals to us a new glimpse of heaven each week. Yes, my friends, we, like the caged bird, get freed by Christ. And that's why we gladly, generously, abundantly allow our souls to sing.